You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 763 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland coming to you live on a Thursday evening. And today's episode is brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar, the best tasting bar in the business. And remember to use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off on your first box of Built Bars. On today's podcast, I am joined later on by Houston Rockets analyst of The Athletic, Ali Khan Bajani. Really a pleasure to talk to him. And before we get to that, though, um, we will talk about just the latest and, by the way, very brief news of the day. And that's because, uh, you know, between yesterday's podcast and the one earlier in the week, not a whole lot has changed on the NBA's restart front. I feel like I'm updating this every day in some form or fashion, and with good reason. But uh, between yesterday's pod, which, if you missed it, was me running down the latest on the restart, in, in addition to a mailbag hypothetical that I touched on, and Monday was all about the restart. So uh, check, check out those podcasts from earlier in the week, as well as uh, the previous list of guests um, from before that. But... Um, since then, the only thing that really came out of real like, sort of reporting noteworthiness was the fact that Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, confirmed that Friday's meeting of the Board of Governors, which, which I've been talking about the entire week, about is kind of like a, kind of like a landmark event, but it will not include, according to Woj's reporting, a formal vote on a return to play plan. That is the that is the uh, tweet that he sent out reporting that on Thursday evening. Uh, he says that talks on a plan will continue at least into the weekend. So, you know, th- I guess the best case scenario early in the week was that maybe they'd be voting Friday, and that's not going to happen, according to this um, reporting from Woj. Opinions continue to roll in on this, but nothing massive, honestly, to touch on. I do think that Friday could still be a pretty big day in the uh, life of this conversation and the restart plans. There's all kinds of people that have weighed in. I have not seen a whole lot of reporting in terms of people that are dialed into the league expecting a 30-team scenario, but nothing is official just yet, and it doesn't appear that we'll get the full answer until at least over the weekend, maybe even the next week. If something does happen, I will be here with a pretty quick podcast to talk about it, whether the Hawks are in or they're not. But uh, there you go on that. Uh, before we get to the conversation with Ali Khan, good work from the folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and there are almost endless reasons to love Built Bar. In addition to the incredible taste that each bar brings, Built Bar is perfect for anyone that is trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a tasty treat. Every bar is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and to make things even better, it is a protein bar that tastes an awful lot like a candy bar. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, unlike some other offerings in the space. Built bars are soft and very easy to chew. My personal favorite is the banana nut flavor, and I can't get enough of them, honestly, but the peanut butter brownie flavor is another one that's really enjoyable, and there are plenty of options. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors to choose from, and they all present their own appeal that everyone can fall in love with. I would fully and absolutely recommend Built Bar. In order to check this out for yourself, Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off on your first order. That is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It's a perfect day to try Built Bar. Today's podcast is also brought to you by the good folks at Blinkist. 
It's hard to find a time to sit down and read and learn more when you don't have the free time. You can't read or work on personal development. There's an absolutely incredible app that solves this problem. It's one of the ultimate life hacks, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser, and it takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. That is huge for busy people like you who might just want to get the main point of a book in a hurry so that you can start using that information right away. And with the audio feature that Blinkist has, it makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or even while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now and has a massive growing library that features all kinds of varied offerings. Blinkist also has the latest titles from bestseller list and classic nonfiction op- options that always that you're always meant to read but never could really find a time to open. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to the entire library, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist is a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it free for seven days and also save 25% off a new subscription. That is Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start a seven-day free trial from there. You'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. One more time, that's Blinkist.com slash NBA. My interview with Ali Khan is coming up in just a second, but before we get to that, um, I want to apologize a little bit for the audio quality on this particular interview that I did. It's not on him, but he's on the phone here, and honestly, it sounded better when we were doing the live recording than it does on the extracted file, which probably is my fault, ultimately. But regardless, I do want to say that the the content is fantastic, I think. He's very, very smart and knows a lot about Clint Capella. Hopefully, you guys can uh, sort of bear with me on this one occasion about the audio quality. And I do understand that uh, it's not great at times. It does come and go, and it's a little bit better at times and a little bit shakier at times during the interview but hopefully you guys enjoy it and we'll learn something from it uh and uh, with, with all of that said please keep coming back it'll be better in the future but uh the content's great so uh here's my conversation with ali khan bajani ali khan thanks for joining me on the podcast today i really appreciate you coming on to talk a little bit about click capella how are you on this fine evening i'm doing great uh hope everybody at home listening is um staying safe and staying healthy and and that hopefully we're all going to get through this time together Absolutely, uh, and I think we'll uh, we'll use some of this escapism to talk about the NBA. We both love it, I'm sure. Uh, this is what we do, so we'll talk about uh, things uh, in terms of Clint Capella on this podcast. And obviously, you you've been covering Clint in Houston. Uh, I know a lot of Hawks fans have not. You know, I'm sure a lot of Hawks fans know some stuff about him. I've been talking about him for quite some time now. You know, two three months since the since the trade happened. But at the same time, he's not played for the Hawks yet. So uh, I feel like a good way to get into this is just to, I'm going to ask you just for, sort of a brief overview of what you think, you know, Clint brings to the table on the court, just because I think people kind of have a rough idea, but you've obviously seen him uh, even more than I have. So uh, please give me that, uh, what you think he can bring to the table for the Hawks. Yeah, I think Clint is going to be a great addition for the Hawks. Um, just from a Rockets perspective and how he played here, he was such a great pick and roll player with James Harden. Um, and when we look at the fit on the court, um, the babe, his physical attributes along with his um, length and his leaping ability just made him a great fit to play alongside James, especially in, in, in pick and roll in isolation, um, high pick and roll. Some of the things that Trey likes to do, um, the way he set up in the offense here in Atlanta. Um, but, you know, looking at it from a Hawks perspective, I think it's going to be a great addition because it does a few things. Um, first, when you look at him with John Collins, it allows John Collins to do what he does best and that's play at the four. It allows Clint to do what he does best and play at the five. And if you just think about the different combinations and versatility you can have on both ends, 
um, with Trey, you know, having John Collins and Clint, it's going to, you know, create a lot of opportunities uh, for both those guys. Offensively, I like to think of Clint as a guy who has a wide screen body. And what that means is when he sets screens, it makes it a little bit more difficult for those on-ball defenders to get around. And, you know, freeing up space for a guy like Trey is so important because he already himself, he's already really good at maneuvering around screens and kind of finding his own space um, within, uh, within the pick and roll. Um, but when it comes to Clint, it's going to add an extra dimension that he's able to kind of, you know, use his, you know, wide frame to free up that space and then roll to the basket. And the timing between James and Clint was very on point. It took him years to be able to perfect that. I'm sure there will be some rough pains early on between Trey and Clint, but once they get that going, it's going to be great for Trey to have a guy who can bring that vertical spacing. He already has John Collins, but I think having a guy like Clint there too is going to allow you to stagger both their minutes. And what I mean by that is if you look across the league, when teams have superstars, right, the way we're living in a dual super, superstar environment, what happens is coaches will like to stagger their minutes where one superstar plays with the second unit for a bit and the other superstar plays. The same thing I think is going to happen with the, with the Hawks, with John Collins and Clint. You're going to have Clint and John start the game together and then stagger their minutes together so at the end of the game they'll, they're also on the court together because you want to have your best five guys. And I think the way Clint will rehab from this injury and the way he was looking like before the injury, um, before he had the plantar fasciitis, um, he was you know going back to his old self where he was able to at least contest well on switches and and screens with perimeter uh, with perimeter guards, and he was able to kind of you know hold his own. That combined with the way John Collins emerges a great um, weak side shot blocker, just you can think about the defensive schematics of that. Where if you have Clint on switches and he's able to funnel a guy towards a secondary shot blocker like John Collins, that can be an extra gear for a defense. Um, so you know just think about the positives. There's a lot there. Um, I think Hawks fans should be excited. Yeah, and for sure, and that's a good place to uh, sort of we could dive into a couple different things. Now, the first thing you talked about with uh, you know the fit next to John Collins has been, as you might imagine, a big question from Hawks fans as to how those guys were going to fit together because you know, Collins has made a lot of strides as a perimeter shooter, for instance, but he's still you know arguably at his best when he's playing pick and roll and diving to the rim. And now you know with Capella, the one thing that he doesn't really do is space the floor as a shooter. He's definitely a pick and roll uh, rim runner kind of kind of guy more than a floor spacer. And Collins has played with both kinds of centers, but um, it sounds like you like the fit of those two guys playing together a little bit more than some. Is that would, would that be accurate? And do you just how is how is Capella's feel when you know playing with a guy in Collins who you know sometimes those guys could conceivably overlap a bit and what they where they want to be want to, where they want to be on the court. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And, you know, from, from the, the time I watched Hawks basketball, uh, the way John Collins plays, you know, he's, he's not a prototypical guy. He's going to, you know, run some pick and pop action with Trey Young. And I think when you have that, um, it's gonna, he's going to have to kind of grow more as a pick and pop player. Capella is a non shooter, so that would mean Collins automatically because of his ability to at least knock down some threes. Um, will be having to evolve his game into a pick and pop player. Now there remains to be seen what happens, right? It's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see you know what the Hawks do, especially offensively. When you, when you look at Clint, you know, one area where he struggled especially offensively is his ability to pass on a short roll. And he's been he's been getting better at it each year. But there are some inconsistencies he has. There's some games where he still struggles when teams are hedging or kind of trapping James Papai. Clint has that extra space, and sometimes he doesn't take the extra step or two he needs to kind of draw in the defender to pass in the corner. So that's something he's going to have to develop because you know this, teams love to trap Trey. 
And and when that happens, you need to be able to trust Clint to make those great decisions on the ball. Um, so that's going to be something that I will, I will watch heading in. Uh, if they do play this summer or into next season, can Clint continue to go? Because the Hawks will probably you know, work with him on that. And with, with the Rockets, it was a lot about, especially the last few years, with the way they were playing in isolation, it was more so that Clint had a short role. He wasn't really screening, kind of holding the screen. He was just kind of going immediately towards the depth on the baseline and kind of establishing some space in there by kind of taking the center away um, from the top of the paint. Uh, so James had um, that link to kind of attack the rim. And so with Trey, it's a little bit different. Trey is really good at using the screens. And so you're going to see a little bit of an adjustment for Clint going back to what he did two, three years ago. So that's going to be interesting as well. Yeah, I think it definitely will be. And, you know, obviously people have already made the comparison between Capella working with Harden and working with Trey Young. And they're not the exact same player, but in some ways they do a lot of things similarly. They are those sort of heliocentric guys who have everything running through them. They run a lot of pick and roll, et cetera, et cetera. So it seems like, you know, especially given what you said about his, uh, about Capella's screening ability, that should help to at least give, if nothing else, give Trey, you know, pretty much every minute that he's on the floor, one of those guys, whether it be Collins or Capella, would be on the court. And uh, essentially you have pretty much an elite dive man and an elite pick and roll option with him, right? And Brad, you know, one thing I do want to like make note to Hawks fans is that, you know, one thing that, you know, it, it does get talked about, but one thing that's not as talked about with Clint is that he's very good on the run. And he gives a lot of traditional center problems because of his speed. What's in the game plan for the Rockets, or what was in the game plan, excuse me, uh, with Clint, was to have him run the floor and score on at least four baskets in a game in the first six to eight seconds of the shot clock. Because since if he switches onto a perimeter guy, you know, have a guy like James Harden, Eric Gordon, South defenders who can kind of rebound the basketball and you know, you know, pick, you know, bring the ball up and transition and throw those passes down the court to Clint, who's probably already been the center uh, for a layup or for a dunk. And that speed does give other other you know opposing centers problems. Um, if you want to take a best example of that, is, okay, like I said earlier, look at games where he's played um, against Joel Embiid. Look at games where he's played against Nicole Jokic. Look at games where he's played against Carl Anthony Towns. In those games, you can see where the speed becomes a dominant factor for him, especially in the offense. And, and that's and that's spacing in itself. You're able to attack the, the defense early in the shot clock. You're able to create a more mismatches that way. That allows Trey to be able to kind of read the defense much earlier because there is a mismatch likely there. It allows him to kind of get the match the matchups he wants to, and so don't discount the fact that you know he may struggle sometimes around the rim. It, 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 you know, he's still shooting sixty percent around the rim, but he may struggle sometimes around contact. But his ability to be fast and use his speed to his advantage is a luxury that the Hawks will definitely utilize against those uh, dominant centers in the league. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to ask you about something you mentioned because it was on my uh, agenda to ask you is that, and that is the uh, the injury that Capella had with the uh, the heel issues, the plantar fasciitis. Um, how how concerned would you be long term and I guess short term as well about that? Because obviously he's been out for a while with that, um, you know, and he was traded essentially while hurt from Houston. Uh, is that is that a long term concern for you to the extent that you could possibly know? Because you're not a you're not a medical expert, <laughs> I don't think. But having being a, being around him and kind of getting the feeling there is that is that something that concerns you long term? Um, initially, when the injury first happened, I thought it would you know it would take some while, and, and, and you know I was told multiple times it would just take some rest, and they tried to do that. They tried to take some rest and see, but obviously that's when they shut him down after a few games when he came back. Um, I think the best sign of optimism for me when it comes to Clint returning is when we're looking at 
the Hawks' willingness to be able to play um, those few games, even though they're not in playoff contention, even though they're probably going to be a lottery team again. Just the fact that they want to be able to play those games because they want Clint to get some exposure and playing time with Trey, with other guys, because they need that data. They want to be able to understand what those guys would play like together. So in the offseason, they can make sure they can surround Trey um, and the rest of his teammates with other weapons to be um, to, to be destructive on both ends. And, and so I, I, I think that's the best sign for me that he's probably very close to returning. Yeah, it's, it seemed like, you know, as we were getting later in the pre, uh, pre-quarantine, or however you want to say it, pre-hiatus, and some of the, some of the re- relatively encouraging statements now, and, you know, he's still relatively young, too. Like he just turned 26. He's under contract for three more years, but, you know, he's, he's been in the league for a long time, but he came in the league very young, and I think people kind of overlook the fact that he is still 26 years old and just turned 26. So if you're not terribly worried about the injury, he should age relatively well. I mean, I feel like he, contract-wise, is, you know, appropriately or maybe even underpaid for what he can bring to the table if he's healthy. Yeah. Um, like, uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to mention, you know, his, his contract, honestly, is probably a really great contract especially at his age, he's only 26 years old. He's just, you know, going into what his contract is. Um, and, and and I really do think that he's going to be able to make a great impact and be uh, somebody that Trey Young can make real chemistry with and rely on for the foreseeable future. For sure. And I want to ask you about his defense, too, because, you know, that's a, the Hawks had some pretty bad defensive centers on the court quite a bit this season. Capella is not, you know, necessarily – considered to be this like defensive player of the year candidate, but certainly a massive upgrade defensively on what they've had um, in the recent past at center. What do you think about his defense overall? Because that's something that we always have to talk about. Whenever you have a, a team that has Trey Young on it, you, you worry a little bit about uh, surrounding him with good defensive talent. And Capella is now officially the best defensive center that the Hawks have had during uh, Trey Young's career so far. You know, early on in his career, which was interesting is that he, he can be a rim protector. He's been really good at it. He's shown a lot of flashes in his career. Um, but the Rockets molded him to be a switch defender, right? The way the Rockets played, especially against the Warriors, you wanted him to be able to switch and match up against Curry or Thompson. And and so having the wingspan he does and his quick, uh, quick athleticism is a definitely a, a good factor for him. Um, but, you know, he ha- he did struggle last season uh, when it comes to those switches. But like I said earlier, he has improved on those. So that can be something that the Hawks can also unlock. Um, one thing I'm interested to seeing is, the way the Hawks defend versus the way the Rockets defend, will the Hawks be comfortable keeping Clint on the perimeter? Because if they can, and the flashes from what I've seen from John Collins from watching Hawks games, he can be a good weak side shot blocker. He had some moments at the five this year, but as a four coming from the weak side, he surprised me with his ability to kind of deter shots at the rim and make, you know, make those ball handlers hesitate. And I think with, with those two guys, if they can kind of match up well and you can be comfortable with Clint at the perimeter – and I think John Collins can also be unleashed and be a good weak size shot blocker. And then if John Collins can himself also continue to take steps defensively and improve as a, a, a switch defender, that's going to allow those two guys to stay on the court longer um, than, you know, what we would think. That, yeah, that, and that, that makes a lot of sense to me, too. I wanted to, before I forget to do this, I, I have this mailbag file that I keep of questions that I get. And, I, you know, I often answer them on the podcast, but there was one I was going through it before I started talking to you. And actually centered on something that I wanted to ask you. So it came from a listener, and basically it was back from around the time of the trade. And they were a little bit confused as to why the Rockets made the trade they made. And obviously it wasn't a Rockets-Hawks two-team trade. It was a, it was a multi-team swap, 
and you know Houston got Robert Covington in the trade, so it wasn't like they were just trading for the Hawks draft pick. But essentially, the question was, why did Houston elect to move on from Clint Capella? Because you know, on paper, and I think with everything you're saying, he's uh, he's a very good player, and because Houston kind of made their, I would say, a relatively uh, innovative change to go as small as they did, et cetera. Was there any concern there and that you're aware of, of anything long-term with Capello? They just want to clear the spacing out maybe because of Russell Westbrook. What, what did you, what did you make of that decision and how might that impact Atlanta? For the success of their team um, and the way the team was constructed presently, it was just about making the trade. It wasn't anything to have to do with Capella. Um, I know coach D'Antoni is a big fan of Capella. Um, and he's been there throughout his tenure, right? He, he came in and he's been playing for, he was a starting center for Dan Tony for all those years. Yep. Um, so, so I don't, it had nothing really to do with Clint more so with how the team was functioning and, and to kind of, you know, the way I like to describe it is it increases their ceiling and lowers their floor. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that that may like, let's think about that. What I just said increases their ceiling and lowers their floor at their best. They can be the best. At their worst, they can be among a little bit among the worst, right? So it's like they have a higher chance of getting to where they want to. And for me, it's more about the spacing it provides. Um, I saw this on Twitter, and I thought the stat was very fascinating. Uh, so since Clint's last game at the Rockets, Russell is leading the league with 19.2 points per game in the paint. Mm. So let's think about that. You know, he, since Clint is not in the paint anymore, you're going five out completely with Tucker in the corner or kind of setting the initial screen. You have Russell with, with the advantage of space to go either direction. And one thing that's really interesting about Russell um, is that he's great going to his left. As a right-handed player, he's great going to his left. And so that, that ability to be ambidextrous, especially driving the paint, is such a big key for why he's been able to be so successful and dominant inside the paint. Um, and so I'm, I, I think with that in mind and the way they want to just switch and the way a lot of their guys on their team or a lot of their main guys on this team have been with the Rackets for multiple seasons now, and they're comfortable kind of with that switching style of, of defense. And, and now you can go five out. You can allow James and Russell kind of just switch, especially with James and Eric. You have two stat guys who can match up against defenders. just allows them to be more successful. Um, and, and, Brad, if you don't mind, I, I want to kind of go back to your previous question yeah. um, about the defense. You know, Please. one thing that's just reminds me, you're talking about the way Russell and James play defensively now with the switches. One thing that the Rockets used to do a lot, especially last season, is they wouldn't really switch. They would kind of keep Clint back in the paint to kind of patrol the paint like we talked about, be a rim protector. But the few times they did switch was when they switched to one and five. And what I mean by that is when James Harden was involved in pick and roll, they would immediately switch James Harden off the ball handler and they would put Clint on the ball handler. So James would go inside the paint and kind of, Invite, the, uh, invite teams to be able to post up against him while Clint would go onto the perimeter. And that led to why he was able to kind of lead and have four baskets to game in transition last season or uh, before the trade as well. And, and so, so I don't think that's going to happen now with Trey Young. You're going to see him more, uh, you know, having to be able to pick a go inside the paint. I'm not sure if Trey, um, in your mind, I'm actually curious to hear from you. Do you think Trey can be effective in the, in the post, even with the small size? My gut tells me no, um, but you know, with, with that change in mind, I'm, I'm curious to see when Clint is there as a full-time rim protector rather than switching out, how does that affect the way he's able to kind of read defense and be able to protect the team? Yeah, it, it's definitely a curious fit 
based on what you're saying and what I've observed too, obviously not watching as much of Capella as you have, as much Rockets as you have, but you know, Trey is a, is a tough guy to ask to switch very often. He's, he's so small and he, I will say he performed better defensively when the Hawks played some zone late in the year. And I wonder, I actually want to see if that works out um, later on um, and maybe, maybe more broadly, but he is a tough, it's, it's a tough sell to try to, to try to switch with Trey young, especially on those one fives that you're mentioning. So uh, maybe, maybe they'll try it. Um, but I do think that they're going to have to play a little bit more traditional pick and roll defense um, just because of having, having Trey on the court. And I think, you know, like, like you said, it sounds like Capella can do that. And a lot of it was scheme driven, but it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to the different personnel and different scheme stuff that he's going to have to embrace in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, before I let you get out of here, this this one's almost more for me, um, but people might be interested in this as well. Uh, you've obviously talked to Clint Capella quite a bit. And he, I have not talked to him one-on-one -on -one just yet. He did the the normal introduction press conference circuit when he arrived, but because he wasn't playing, for people that don't know this, when guys are not playing, they often really don't talk to the media. They don't have to talk to the media much when they're injured. Um, yeah. what, what are what are Hawks fans getting into uh, with with Clint the person? It sounds like uh, from all that I've heard, he's a good guy. But uh, what's what's your what's your experience been with Clint the person? You know, he, he's actually really involved in the community. He recently established his own foundation, and I am very confident he'll likely be doing stuff in the Atlantic community, so you can definitely um, probably, you know, know that's probably going to happen with him there. Um, you know, he was always involved in the Rockets, um, giving back and their community programs. Um, in terms of the guy he is and his personality, um, he's, he's a good quote. Um, you know, he, I'm pretty sure the way you guys have great writers who are covering your team, uh, from Brad to Chris, uh, I mean, this is a lot of great people covering our team, and, and I'm pretty sure he's going to build a great relationship with them uh, where you're able to kind of get a good idea of what's going on. Um, he's great at kind of letting you see what he sees, especially on pick and roll. Um, just kind of, you know, I, I think for me, what I really appreciated Clint, from Clint was his ability to kind of help me understand um, why, you know, teams did a certain things against him or what he did. Uh, to bounce, uh, to counteract against certain defenses or things like that. So he's really well. He, he he's very eloquent in his speaking, and, and I think Hawks fans will really enjoy having Clint around the team. Yeah, that backs up what I've what I've heard. I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know him a little bit better, and obviously Hawks fans are looking forward to uh, just having uh, having that kind of presence and that that kind of really good player at the center spot. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on to talk about uh, Clint Capella. Please tell people where they can find your work. Obviously, you're at The Athletic, but uh, please share uh, all the information that you'd like and plug yourself as much as you want. No, no, no. Thank you so much for having me on. And I, you know, I really like I really like watching Hawks. They're one of my favorite league pass teams. Um, and I really enjoyed watching Trey. And so I, w I went to UT Austin. So he was an enemy of UT's uh, when he was at <laughs> OU. So uh, no, I know Trey really well. And so no, I, I'm very excited to see how he's going to continue to grow. Uh, with, the, with, with, the, with the Hawks and, you know, continue to be the face of that franchise. Um, in terms of my work, you can find me at the Athletic, as Brad said. Um, love talking basketball, love talking about X's and O's and things like that. Um, if you want to get on the conversation, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter, Rockets underscore Insider. I'm more than happy to talk to you about basketball. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to try I'm gonna try my best to kind of get myself involved in Hawks Twitter. Um, maybe <laughs> Brad can help me with that. Uh, but no, yeah, no, I think, thank you so much Matt, for having me on and I'm looking forward to kind of, um, you know, interacting and watching this Hawks team in the future. Absolutely. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have to induct you into Hawks Twitter along the way <laughs> and, uh, people should be following your work. So I hope they, hope they do that. And thank you again for coming on and that will do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the show. 
Also, please take a second to uh, check out both the good folks at Built Bar and Blinkist. Great opportunities there and with some offers that you could find in our uh, in our previous reads. But it's Blinkist.com slash MBA as well as Built Bar with the promo code locked on. And we'll be back again at the very latest next week with more content on the NBA draft, et cetera, et cetera. And if anything uh, sort of happens on the NBA restart front, I will try to spring into action. But thank you again, as always, for listening. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend. And we'll see you all next time.